So you want to be a real estate investor, but where do you start? How do you know what information and sources to trust? That's where I come in. I'm Johnny Catani, and this is the Investor Relations Real Estate Podcast. Hey guys, real quick, before we start, go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Now to today's show. What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Invest Relations Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and I'm joined today by Mike Downey. Mike is a self-proclaimed Iowa wannabe farmer. He has deep agricultural roots and, like many others, grew up on a family farm, but the farm itself wasn't large enough to support him joining it full-time. Dirt runs through his veins, and he has a passion for farms and farm real estate. He began investing in commercial real estate back in the late 2000s. Passive income from assets such as apartments and self-storage facilities has afforded Mike and his wife, Megan, several opportunities. They've left their W-2s, and Mike is now owner of NextGen Ag, which consults with family farms and their estate and legacy planning, a passion of Mike's. Mike and Megan are also the founders of Farm Raise Capital, investment platform allowing everyday professionals like them, particularly in the ag community, to invest in real estate. Mike, welcome to the show. Well, hey, thank you, Jonathan. Appreciate the introduction. Absolutely. We're stoked to have you. And uh, I do encourage you guys to go and watch this one on YouTube because in true Iowa farm boy fashion, Mike is sitting in a tractor right now recording this podcast. Uh, he is not running it, um, which is why it does sound so quiet. Although we have been informed that new technology, uh, we probably wouldn't even know. So uh, we love it. We're we're grateful to have you. Um I'm curious how you discovered commercial real estate and passive investing, um, you know, kind of growing up on a farm. So let's start there. Yeah, you bet. You know, it was always my dream to to buy a farm. My grandpa came back from World War II and started the family farm I grew up on basically from scratch. Um, but the uh, thought of doing that today with the capital required, the cost of equipment and, and everything is almost impossible. But uh um, but still, that was always my dream. And when I first, with my first job out of college, I literally had this down payment fund. And that's what I labeled it in my bank account, or I was just trying to stick some money aside. That was my down payment fund to buy my first farm. The problem is, um, if you want to buy a farm in today's economics and have the income from the farm float itself to make those payments, you almost need to come up with 50, 60% of the purchase in cash just to have the farm float on its own. So from a cash flow standpoint, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And uh, that's where I just started almost trying to look for, you know, what other ways could I put this money to use? And I wasn't a big fan of stock market. I had a 401k already through my W-2. And um, anyway, like many that you've maybe interviewed before, a book that kind of got me really thinking uh, was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, uh, um, so I really started uh, looking for opportunities to invest in more in real estate, but more passive, you know, cash flowing real estate that I could long term leverage to then turn around and exchange into farmland. That's awesome. I love that. And, um, you know, of course, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the Purple Bible, I think we can majority of people in the industry can trace their roots back to uh, to reading that book. Um, obviously a lot of power there. Um, so you started on the limited partner side, uh, which is pretty common, right? Passive investing. 
what about it wanted you know caught your attention and and you've obviously started to transition now over to the active side yeah so so actually i started off my wife and i did uh buying a single family home and then we scaled up and bought uh, some smaller sized apartments um but the the problem with that is it takes our time and the active management part of it and that's where we discovered more of the the passive investing as a limited partner and maybe in even stronger markets than Iowa, a lot of the Sunbelt states. And uh, that's really kind of what was the aha moment for us to uh, start investing that way and leverage the experience of others where the pressure isn't necessarily on us to have to find the good deals, manage it ourselves and uh, so forth. So we've just kind of built that, you know, in time, what started to be a way to generate equity, to buy land is a, uh, kind of developed into other things, uh, you know, allowed us to maybe leave W-2s to start our own businesses and self-directing IRAs and, and uh, you know, in full full disclosure or full uh, coming full around has we've been able to allow us to buy a farm of ourselves. That's awesome. I love that so much. And uh, one thing that I love that's in your portfolio, self-storage, I've talked to death about self-storage on this podcast, incredible asset. In fact, just uh, read some data yesterday from Marcus Millichap. Uh, so storage as a whole is up 15% this year versus the stock market, which is down 24%. So huge delta there. Um, what was it about cell storage? You know, a lot of people don't discover cell storage uh, early on in their career, right? The big sexy is apartments, um, which you guys kind of started in. What caught your attention about cell storage and, you know, that pursuit? I can still remember, uh, literally, we were, you know, watching the news one night and there was an apartment fire in a large complex in a, a larger town that we lived nearby. And uh, we both looked at one another and just, you know, kind of realized that, you know, we'd already been kind of talking about self-storage and looking and, um, you know, now that it wouldn't be a, a nice thing or a good thing to have a fire in a self-storage garage, but at least it's stuff and not where people live and families. And that's kind of where, and, you know, as we read it, we liked it as an asset class, just like apartments, because it's recession proof, kind of what we're going through right now. And uh, people need a place to live and people like a place to store their stuff. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Uh, so, you know, obviously you, are you and your wife business partners as well in either of your, any of your ventures or all the ventures? So one of the trickle down things from from COVID was my wife also stepped down from her job and now is helping in my uh, consulting business where I w work with family farms on their legacy planning, uh, but also is very uh, kind of the newer venture of ours is Farm Race Capital, where we are uh, basically have a platform to allow others in the ag community or even everyday professionals like us to in invest together into these type of opportunities that otherwise none of us could probably take down ourselves just because of the size of them. And uh, most people think of them that, that, you know, only the super wealthy uh, high net worth individuals can purchase. I love that. What have been some keys for you guys, you know, cause obviously you were in the W2 world, right? So we're, we're business partners. We're just obviously life partners, you know, mom and dad obviously have a family. What have been some keys in transitioning to, you know, obviously managing the family and the farm and all of that, but also, you know, now you guys are business partners. 
Sure. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, there's obviously some, some, some benefits, uh, just the, the time freedoms and, you know, uh, I really had a great experience with the, the W2 I was with. Um, but you know, there were some weeks that, you know, I would leave to go to work before I'd see the kids. And, you know, when I come home, I'd see them literally for two hours, you know? So, um, obviously there's pros and cons of self-employment and, uh, entrepreneurship, but, uh, certainly the time freedoms to adjust our schedules has, has been one that we really enjoy. And, uh, but it comes with growing pains and, uh, but you know, a lot of it is just, uh, being good at your time management and making sure to time block for family and what's important as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. What have you identified as, you know, for you and your wife as business partner, what have you identified as your roles? Obviously you guys, you know, probably aren't good at the same things and, you know, so what are kind of your strengths and, and what are hers and what have you identified as your individual roles? You bet. As far as my strengths, I, you know, I have a, I have a background in asset management, more on the farm management side. Um, so, you know, getting out and managing the assets, uh, certainly I don't, I'm not afraid of that. Um, but also working with more of the conversation between a tenant and landlord investors, you know, so the investor relation piece, um, as far as Megan goes, uh, she's more about really liking to research and do the deal finding, um, loves to go out there and just look at different opportunities in our target markets. And, uh, but yeah, certainly, uh, it's very important on, on the back end of everything, but isn't so much the one that wants to be the face of the company or the ones necessarily talking to the investors or the, those investing along with us. So she's kind of the numbers person. She likes the spreadsheets and the underwriting and all of that. Correct. Yep. Her background is in the financials and banking. And, uh, and again, she just kind of enjoys, uh, you know, if we're, uh, she has family from the Charleston, uh, South Carolina area. So just, you know, going to, to find those potential deals in that marketplace. That's awesome. I love that. And what are you guys seeing now? You know, obviously, uh, you know, primarily obviously focusing on, on some capital raising as well. Is there any shift for you guys in investor sentiment? Are you having a harder time raising capital? You know, a lot of people wanting to sit on the sidelines. What are those conversations looking like right now? Yeah. And I would say we are in the, the ground stage of actually, uh, you know, in second to leaving my W2, kind of the biggest decisions uh, I've made is putting ourselves out there that we're, we're doing this. So I'm slowly introducing this to the network I have in the ag community. And, um, but we're going to be launching a new website and, and uh, everything. Cause I, I just, we felt the benefits of the passive cash flow ourselves. So we'd like to, you know, introduce that as another tool for others to use to develop, whether it's off farm income for family farm or everyday professionals, maybe not excited about the stock market. This is a way they could self-direct some of their retirement funds into real estate. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, the conversations that I've had, I know the recession and everything is everybody is on everybody's mind. Um, but I, you know, what's happened in the stock market is also in everybody's mind. And when you really research real estate as an asset class, especially commercial real estate, apartments, self storage, um, it's really had resilience, you know, in past times of recession. And so I think once people understand that, they're they're really interested. To, take a look, uh, a stronger look at it. Yeah, absolutely. It is um, 
fairly common. You see a lot of people who started as passive investors turn into capital raisers for that exact reasons, right? Because they want others to enjoy the the same luxuries as they've been able to, you know, I mean, there are people in this world, believe it or not, who do enjoy their W-2 job, but for the majority of us, you know, you guys, obviously, I'm sure we're very excited to get out of it. I was very excited to get out of it. I know a lot of people have that as a goal of theirs. And, you know, it's, it's great that there's this vehicle available to them to, to do that. So with um, farm raise capital being so new, what, you know, obviously you join raise masters. That's how we connected, um, which is an incredible group. What do you guys see as sort of the foundation and kind of your, your big, you know, like what you'll really be pushing as you grow farm raise and, and really be focusing on. You bet. Well, first of all, um, going back to the W2, um, I, I really enjoyed my W2. And, and uh, so it wasn't so much for me that I wanted to, I hated it. That's the reason why I wanted to get out of it. But I, I was coming to the point in my career where I'd had a lot of success, but I was missing something. I was feeling empty. I was wanting more. And that's where, uh, you know, helping family farms with their succession planning and legacy planning. That was something that, that was always an interest of mine. And, but that passive income again from off uh, away from the W2 helped me give that, that courage to do that and take that leap of faith. Um, as far as farm raised goes, I really think, you know, our niche is going to be the ag community. That's where my background is and what I live and breathe. But certainly this platform could be available to anybody, any professional, Within, within our, you know, friends and family network as well. Um, but yeah, it, it, every day I work with family farms, the question of cash flow comes up and there's a lot of, you know, especially as we try to transition to the next generation, uh, a lot of them are looking for off-farm income through other enterprises, um, seed businesses, crop consulting, selling crop insurance, building livestock barns is another source, but those all take time. And uh, what I like about this model is uh, it can be a way to develop that off-farm cash flow, but not necessarily take as much as your time. So you can focus on the farm where people want to be. And um, that same thing can be could hit home for anybody out there, you know, whatever it is. You know, our interest is farms and, and, and farming and, and long-term buying farmland, but that can be applied to anybody, you know, and whatever it is their real passion is that they're seeking. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's awesome. And obviously, you know, between the two uh, ventures that you have, obviously very plugged in to the ag community. Are you finding that they're receptive uh, of, you know, sort of different branching out ideas? Um, you know, I had a family farm, still have a family farm in, in, in Southern Idaho and my family, you know, my grandpa and my dad are just old stubborn farm boys have you found that you know they're receptive to these new different ideas than you know the the tried and trues that uh, they all grew up with sure you know and i've i think i'm gonna have a lot more conversations in my future but so far the ones i've had have they've very very been very receptive to it um the younger generation um look you know looking for sources to to get in and the entry point into this that we haven't hit on is uh, another reason why I shifted this way is the entry point is a lot easier um, versus coming up 
with the down payment to buy a farm or buy equipment, whatever it may be. Um, but I really like it because even for the retiring generation, the retiring farmers I work with on their estate planning, none of them like to pay taxes. And uh, another benefit of this passive investing through commercial real estate we haven't talked about is the strong depreciation that it can generate to offset other passive income. So a lot of retiring farmers, the only tax deduction they have is um, really nothing after they've retired because they're not purchasing equipment anymore, buying crop inputs to have expenses. So this is another way to uh, create some depreciation, some expenses to offset their, uh, their farm income during retirement. Interesting. Yeah, that is a very fascinating point. And, and really one of the big ones that I drive home with even non uh, farming investors as well, because that's such a huge, huge benefit that you get, you know, from, from passive investing in, in real estate in general. Um, and so I guess that makes a lot of sense. There's probably not a lot you can depreciate on a farm, right? Because you can't depreciate land, even if it is farmland or, or can you? No, you're correct. You, you cannot uh, depreciate land. You can, there is some things you can depreciate like tile and fences and structures and fertility, you can document there's excess fertility levels. Um, but yeah, but for the most part, there is not a lot of depreciation available. Um, so yeah, that's uh, again, with the commercial real estate model with apartments or self-storage, as you know, through studies like cost segregation studies, you know, if you make an investment, for example, of a hundred thousand um, into a, a passive as a limited partner into the syndication that is buying this complex, um, that hundred thousand dollar investment, you might get kicked back anywhere from fifty to eighty percent of tax deductions in that first year to offset other income. Yeah, it is such an incredible tool, and obviously, this is the last year of a hundred percent bonus depreciation. Um, so I know a lot of, um, you know, a lot of investors trying to jump in, get into deals now, while we can still take advantage of that. Of course, next year it drops to eighty, and then. Um, goes down, you know, uh, in denominations of 20 from there. Hopefully, though, fingers crossed, Congress revisits that and, and we get back to the 100% bonus appreciation. So as you guys move forward now, obviously, you're in the middle of a harvest. So I know that's probably the big thing on your mind right now. But what do you guys, you know, getting farm rates capital going? What does the next, you know, year, two years look for you guys and in, in moving forward? Sure. Yeah, no, we... Uh... I, I just continue to do what we enjoy with the uh, transition planning side. Um, but as we build farm raised capital, this is a sister company that, you know, as we look for key opportunities uh, to share that with others, if they have an interest in investing along with us and creating a platform or almost a guide um, to expedite what we've learned in the last 10, 11 years to put this together as almost uh, no hassle free, if you will way to invest passively with others, other like-minded people. And uh, we, we can see, you know, my hope is that it'll grow and uh, and just be another tool for, for people to take a look at as part of their overall portfolio. Absolutely. And then are you, do you plan to stay on the passive side of things, even with, you know, bringing in others, or are you looking to get on the active side? So I, I am on the active side on two um, apartment syndications right now, um, one in Tampa and one in Houston. Um, and I kind of wanted to do that to get really an inside look at what that 
is as I communicate with other investors. And um, certainly is, is if we uh, develop this and de- develop a group of investors that want to go into a deal, that could be an opportunity for me to kind of serve as a co-GP role in that and uh, to have a face at the table, a voice at the table for that I can report back and for the benefit of all of us, for, for those that wanted to come along with us. So I could see that also, also developing as we go. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's really, really a great perspective, right? Worst case scenario, you at least have that perspective. Of course, one big model is the co-GP model, especially when you're bringing in capital um, and having that sort of resume where you've you know, been in that role really gives you a good opportunity to, you know, partner with someone maybe more experienced, but you obviously also still bring experience and of course capital, which really it will always, you always have a seat at the table when, when you can raise money. That's what I always say. Well, and then with my 20 plus uh, years of experience and actively managing properties, I think, um, I don't know if I could truly just be aside and be truly passive. Um, so, you know, having that voice at the table to make decisions uh, with repair, capital improvement projects, or just the overall business model for the benefit. Because, you know, this is something I'm taking real serious to put ourselves out there and allow others to invest with us. And, but on the flip side, um, you know, they're bringing their own money and, and you know, there's risk and everything. So obviously uh, we take this really serious and want to make sure everything is managed uh, properly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. I mean, asset management is, it's not talked about, right? But it is the most important part, you know, Um, because the acquisition is more or less the easy part, right? I mean, obviously you want to celebrate when you get an acquisition, but that's when the work begins and you actually have to implement the business plan. And, um, you know, that's that's a huge part of, you know, making sure, obviously, that the asset is well taken care of, but also that, you know, you're reading, meeting and in investor expectations. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Awesome. I love it. Well, Mike, this has been incredible. Um, I know, and I appreciate you uh, putting, putting the harvest on hold for us. So we'll go ahead and wind down here. We'll jump to the final five. Uh, first question, best advice you've gotten from a mentor. Uh, I'd say the best advice, um, that I've received is, uh, you know, even going back to, you know, it was almost a two year process for me to, uh, gain the courage to leave the W2. And I think some of the best advice I got was not to be afraid to fail, you know, and, uh, and I got to the point where if I didn't do it, the, always that thing up in my head to wonder what would have happened if I'd done that, just that unknown, um, and that came to the sacrifice that I could screw up and fail. So that was really uh, some excellent advice that I received. I love that so much. Yeah, that's the biggest, I think, uh, well, one of the biggest hurdles that, um, you know, you kind of have to get over in terms of your mindset when you get into the entrepreneur world is you're going to mess up. It's not if, it's when. So it's just being able to handle that and, and move forward. Uh, what is it about your career that makes you feel like you're fulfilling your why? I would say, you know, um, there's a lot of transition that's going to occur over the next 10 or 15 years. And with farm families and operations, when you just look at the demographics who 
the age of the farmer and age of the landowner are the highest on record ever in history. Um, but a lot of those need help. They know they need to do something. They just don't know where to go um, or how to do it or even to start. So being a, you know, being a resource for family farms where my, you know, where my heritage is, and my passion, just coming home at the end of the day, knowing that I helped the a family farm to get to the goal line where they're heading. That has been very fulfilling for me. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, favorite non-real estate or investment related book. I, you know, when I look back on my journey uh, and this uh, a book was recommended to me, actually, ironically from a retired farmer I'd worked with for close to 20 years who I respected enough to ask him some questions on what I was thinking. And, um, but a book called Halftime by Bob Bufford, um, talking about going from success in your life to significance. That was a, a book that I read that was really an eye opener for me. And uh, I was probably in my late 30s when I read it. And one of the key points was in that book was if you don't make a key life change by the time you're 40 to 45, you're probably never going to make it. And uh, but uh, again, I it wasn't. I, like I was un, totally unhappy in my prior career. Um, I'd experienced a lot of success, but the book talked about um, if you're reading this and feeling empty or missing something, it's probably because there's a calling out there that's trying to call you to do something more with, uh, you know, why you're, why we're all here. That's awesome. I love that so much. Oh, wow. I added that to the list. Looking forward to reading that one. Uh, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I would say, you know, um, being driven is one thing uh, I've always been, um, that, you know, even uh, now as I've launched a couple of new companies, um, there's been a lot of stressful and sleepless nights, but always uh, maintaining driven and striving toward goals. Um, but even that book I just referenced talked about being driven versus being called. And I think that was kind of what was going off, uh, going on at that time in my life, almost my halftime, uh, call it a mid, mid uh, career crisis or whatever you want. But I think there was a lot going on. And sometimes we're so busy that we don't stop and really just reflect on what's really happening right in front of us. Wow. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, last one. What's the best way for people to get a hold of you and learn more? Sure. No, um, our new website is uh, Farm Raised Capital. And uh, my, my email will be Mike at Farm Raised Capital if you want to shoot me a note. Um, you know, I'm out there on the social media channels. Um, uh, and then, uh, one thing I'm also developing there, when I look back on my journey, there was like a really a one aha moment for me. Um, and if people want to read about that, I'm putting together a, just kind of a quick one page read if they would like to, and that's going to be out there on the website, what's wealth mean.com what's wealth mean. So. Awesome. We'll link both of those in the show notes, make it super easy. Mike, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Well, hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Listen, guys, I know it's cliche, but please don't forget to like, subscribe. Please leave a review. Would love to know what you guys think of the episodes. And while you're here still listening, don't forget to go to investwithkatani.com and download my free ebook, Is Commercial Real Estate Recession Proof? Thanks so much.